0: Welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. Man, we are I'm I'm so excited that we get to uh the kids single-handedly this This year have raised close to $500 in BGMC. That awesome? They brought in their change, some of which their parents didn't even know they took from their their purses and stuff. I need change. They just kind of run out the door. But um, that's awesome that our little ones are giving as a part of missions. How many know that that's good training for the future? And, and it changed us to be like Jesus. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thought. So this morning, I'm excited that we are collecting cookies. We're collecting food. We're collecting all kinds of good goodies and things of that nature. And Christmas is a wonderful time. How many appreciate the different baked goods that you get during Christmas time? My kids are like, they're thinking about all the like, hey, mom, when are you going to make that delicious pumpkin pie, that apple pie? And what's the best pie out there? Apple, strawberry, blueberry, pumpkin, cherry, chocolate. There's a lot. What in the world is, sh- I came from New York City. I never heard of this. shoe fly pie. What the heck? What is a shoe fly? I don't want no flies in my food. I usually, if there's any fly, I say shoe fly, and somehow they put that into a pie. I said shoe fly, but that's because I wanted to bat the fly away, not because I want to name something. What I don't know somebody will talk to me later about that. Let me know, but anyway i love I love Christmas. I love the opportunities that we get to um to enjoy wonderful food, wonderful time with family I'm okay, so i'm I got a confession to make I got a confession to make. um I'm emphatically in love with Christmas time, and I love this part. I have a page I go to on youtube. i'm gonna show a little bit of my transfer. i'm gonna show you my Christmas spirit. Are you ready? I have this page on YouTube I go to and 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 it always shows up because i t- I put it on it once in a month and it's just a fireplace with instrumental. And it has one that's just a fireplace with like regular jazzy instrumental, like real soft. And then there's the Christmas one. And I go to that. Sometimes when I'm sitting in the living room and all the kids are gone to different places and my wife's out doing something and I'm in the house by myself, I put on this fireplace in 4K high definition. <laughs> and I, st- I-, I sit there in my couch as if somehow it's a real fireplace. led is a little bit hot i'm like oh it's a little Ooh, i feel a little bit of and i listen to this music and i really calm myself and and I, how many know that when you're running and you're running this is a good thing right and so my life is constantly going it's there it's running especially during this season with the sports that are happening and the school happenings and all these different things going so when everybody leaves i shut down like Put the fireplace on. Put the music on. And I just sit there quietly. And if anybody knocks on the door, I'm like, I don't want to. No, I don't want. Stay away. I just want to sit by the fireplace. One day I'll have a real fireplace. But right now it's 4K high definition. And I'm okay with that. You know, and so... I love being able to sit. And, you know, sometimes I sit there and I think about how good God has been to me and how he has blessed me through the year. And You know, when you think of everything you think about, everything you do, everything you say, everything you feel, the relationships that you have, you have that because God has allowed that as an access point for you. Did you know that? Did you know that every good thing comes from above? Did you know that when the apostle Apostle Paul describes God, he describes him with all surpassing power, and he says things like this in Romans 11. He says, for in him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about the worth of Christmas, the worth of Christmas. Now, when I talk about the worth of Christmas, not some things. When I I read that verse, if we could go back to that Romans 11 verse, uh, we look at that verse. and He says, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Not some things, but all things. All things are through him. Did you know that the idea of worship, when we talk about majesty, when we talk about glory, did you know that the the, the term worship has, has a very specific meaning? Are you with me? Whether you realize it or not, everyone in this room worships. Everyone watching me online. Everyone listening to me online. You don't know it, but you're quite the worshiper. And whether it's God or the things of this world, you're really good at it because that's how God wired you. God wired you to be all in. He wired you to go at it. He wired you to be all hands on deck. That's how come when you, go, when you live a mediocre life, it hurts. When you live a mediocre life, it's painful. You feel unpurposeful. You feel like you're doing something wrong. You feel like something's missing. Why? Because God wired you for worship. He wired you to give all you got to him. All you have to the master. All you have to his majesty. All you have to his kingship. All you have to the wonder and the splendor that is God almighty. He's built you for this. And when we live less than, we hurt our purpose, we hurt our destiny, we hurt the gifts that God has put in you. That doesn't mean you leave it, and that doesn't mean it's broken. Here's what it is. Like a toy on the fourth day after Christmas,
1: it was once valuable to you. Worship as
0: a noun is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. As a verb, it's showing reverence and adoration for um, an honor for religious rites. So you have a similar expression. It's a reverence and adoration, right? But as a verb, that worship is expressed, right? It's an action, right? So it's honor with religious rights. Therefore, the term worship comes with value. And so worship is indeed the term worthship. What I'm trying to say to you today is only that which is worth your time you will worship only that thing that has value right only that thing which you honor only that thing that is worthy will receive worship so when you say i worship you god what you're saying is you are worthy of my time my effort and my energy the worship of God, so when we talk about the worth of Christmas, what I am talking about is the majestic term of worship. The majesty of God is worthy of your time, your effort, and your energy. So it's really about the worship of Jesus. And he does the same thing here as we look at Colossians chapter 1. If you're taking notes, you want to write these verses down because they're amazing. The word of God is amazing. Somebody say it with me, the word of God is amazing. Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. God is the center of all creation. He, here's the problem. When we make God a sideshow instead of the center, that's where we derive our problems. Jesus Christ is no sideshow to anyone or anything. You want to know why America puts itself in trouble? is when Jesus Christ becomes a sideshow. You want to know why some churches died during COVID and others thrived during COVID? Some of those churches, Jesus was a sideshow. The, The value of their coffee was more important than the value of their worship. That said, we don't have the greatest coffee here, but but we got some amazing worshipers. Come on, somebody. Are you proud of the church that you attend? Are you proud of the God that you serve? We need to be able to make some noise and tell somebody, I'm proud of the God I serve. And I'm not going to hide it. You know, the value of the things that we hold dear matters. So when you are doing everything in accordance to Him and for Him, you do things differently, right? Okay, case in point if you're working at your job and you find out the big bosses are coming by, some people, how many know what I'm talking about? Some people that weren't doing anything, are miraculously working again. That solitaire is not open on front of that, hello. Did I touch a moot point here? Some of you don't touch my solitaire, pastor. It gets my brain function going. Don't you mess with it. But you know what I'm talking about when the big boss comes by? All of a sudden, everybody good? Every, hey, pull your pants up. What are you doing over there? What's going on? Hey, hey, make sure you got your glove, your helmet on. Get get everything everything right. We got to get everything right because the big boss is here. You value that boss's presence because he has power over you. But some of us come before God with no respect and awe,
1: and we say he's our Lord.
0: We live our lives One Sunday at a time. As if somehow he called you to be a believer just on Sundays. I'm a real good Sunday believer. But Monday morning, watch out now. My inner self gets uh, rowdy.
1: And I live like heaven in the weekend. And I remind people of hell during the week.
0: You know what I'm talking about. What happened was there's a value, a mistaken value point. When did you stop valuing God as if somehow he's just here? Just here. And he's not walking with you when you walk out. He's not driving in your car. When that person cuts you off, are you praying for them? Let's pray right now because some of y'all faces right now, I could tell right now, some of you are like, oh, Dad, you just could.
1: Is he still looking?
0: Some of y'all are hiding behind the, Some of y'all open your Bible real quick, like, <laughs> your Bible goes, <laughs>
1: The more you laugh, the more you egg me on. (laughs) He created all things.
0: He knows all things. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones and dominions and rulers, all that. God has seen all that. He's not impressed by anybody. So what makes you think he's impressed by you just merely showing up? Where's your worship? Where's your value? Where's God in this? Now listen, Pastor Tony, you say one week it's important to go to church. Now you're smashing people that go, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying to you is, if you're here, what is he worth? Are you waiting for just the right song so you could feel like worshiping? That only when the right song is played. i go halfway because
1: I only halfway like this song. All right,
0: I'm going to stop there. Because I think you get what I'm saying. The worship has the worship has nothing to do with what happens up here. The worship about what's happening in here. Where's God in all this? Is he worth your time, effort, and energy? I hope he is. Because his majesty never stops no matter what happens in this world. His majesty never ends. Psalm 145, I got a great verse for you. Ready? Psalm 145, verse 5. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works." The psalmist understood it. I heard this a long time ago. Uh, Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I believe it was St. Augustine possibly that I had wrote that some time ago. I get what they're trying to say. I get what St. Augustine, I believe, was trying to say. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. What he was trying to say was live your life in such a way that you are a testimony. How many believe that to be true. But here's what it didn't say. Look at me right here. Look at me right here. Here's what it didn't say. Stop preaching. That's not what it was saying. That's, it didn't say stop sharing the gospel with your neighbor. Because some people have adopted that as their lifelong philosophy. Okay, good. That just gave me the license not to have to say anything, just to live for Jesus. But you know what? If Jesus Christ saved your life, what did you want to tell somebody? If you were in a boat that was sinking and some guy by the name of Edward jumped in, pulled you, saved you, pulled you out, and you were drowning because something happened with your limbs, you were, you got, you know, you were in the water and you were sinking, and this guy, Edward, reached up, grabbed you, and pulled you out of the water, pulled you into his boat, got you a covering, a blanket, and, and then brought you to shore, would you be like, hey, thanks, Eddie, peace. And you never talk about Eddie again. That's not true because you would tell people, I met one time I was drowning. I literally was drowning, and Eddie pulled me out.
1: I almost drowned twice in my life. Once when I was six and once when I
0: was nine. The first time I was in a, uh, I was in a floating tire. They had a floating tire out in this big pool, and I was at friend's house. And this may shock you, but I was a real small kid at, when I was little. And um, I know, believe you, it shocked me too. Um, and I slipped through the tire. I, I don't know what I was doing. I slipped through the tire, and nobody was paying attention. And I started to drown because I didn't know how to swim. And that was the first time. Second time, I was nine, and I was uh, I was on the short end of a shallow pool, and the other end was a deeper side it kind of sloped down to the end and I was there in the shallow end and I was holding on to the rope and I was teetering on the end but I had the rope so I was good but then at one point when I, I didn't have quite the grip I had on it I got really close and I slipped and I started sinking into where was about nine feet of water now, I was, I was nine myself. I had not learned how to swim yet, and I began to sink, and I tried to get myself up, and every time I reached up, um, it was a rather big pool, and there were people on the other end that didn't see me slip, and they were going back and forth like this, and they were talking. They had their back to me, and they were talking, and, um, and it was, it, every time I went to reach up, it, it was right when they were pulling away, and it was just timed beautifully for me to die. And just, that's just the way I see it. I remember looking up and I'm, you know, bubbles are coming out. I'm literally drowning. And if you've ever had that moment, it's, as, a, as a 40-something-year-old adult male now, I still remember this and I was nine. And I remember as the bubbles left my body, life was beginning to leave my body. The last breaths that I had, I remember trying to reach for that rope. And I'm looking, and I'm and I'm trying to get it out, like help, and I can't get yeah, help in the water because every time I spoke, more air was leaving, and I was it was leaving me more. And uh, that's so that state of panic, obviously, until I saw a splash. I saw an individual jump, splash right near me because I was in the water, and uh, it was uh, Jennifer reached out grabbed me and pulled me into the shallow part pulled me out of the water I'll never forget her as long as I live she pulled me out of the water and everybody ran to me like oh my goodness are you okay and attended to me and I was in shock I'm coughing up water for the next few minutes and they're just trying to make me feel better and you know and all these things and I say all that to say that I'll never forget her and I'll share that story Uh, As many times as I need to, that one time I was about to die and somebody pulled me out. I would be shameful if I didn't remind myself that there was a day somebody pulled me out of the water. Jesus must be proclaimed. If he saved your life, you have to tell somebody and you have to be able to do it with conviction, not apologetically. Because I will never apologize for someone saving my life. What, What? What? Why should I apologize for telling you that someone saved my life why am i why am I apologetic about that in the same way you should never apologize for sharing your faith about Jesus with someone else yeah. That girl, Jen, I will never forget her as long as I live. She was probably six or seven years older than me. She was a very skilled swimmer in fact, it was her house um and and It was just, it was a moment in time where I thought this is where it all ends. But it wasn't. Is there a moment in your life that you thought it all ends here but God? Come on, somebody. But God. But God stepped in and pulled you out. I will speak of your splendor and your glorious majesty and your wondrous works. Why? Because he is Majestic. He is majesty incarnate. I love how Exodus put it. You with me? Look at Exodus with me. Exodus 15 tells us this. Lord, your right hand is glorious in power. Lord, your right hand shattered the enemy. You overthrew your adversaries by your great majesty. You unleashed your burning wrath. It consumed them like the stubble. What a great picture of how glorious and powerful our God is. You know what? I want to tell you there's something God wants to remind you of, and that's two thoughts here today. You ready? Number one, we have to, as believers, if we believe Jesus Christ is Lord of all, we have to make room for Jesus. We have to make room for Jesus. And in the story, we understand of uh, Mary and Joseph, and we understand the story as they were looking for a place uh, for Mary to lay down so she can uh, rest after the long journey. She was about to have the, the, the God of the universe's baby boy. And, and then at, the, at that moment, we hear the statement, there is no room. There is no room. And it leaves us as an audience reading this story. Did you know who it was that was there? No, Mary, did you know? Yes, she knew. The angel came. We get that. But the inn didn't know. The innkeeper didn't know, right?
1: But he said, There's no room. What I'm afraid of is us who know Jesus and us saying, There's no room. That's what I am concerned about.
0: That we as believers make no room in Christmas for Christ, who is the beginning of Christmas, who is the heart of Christmas. He is the worth of Christmas. Somebody, come on, are you with me? Jesus is the worth. Of Christmas. Okay, half of you got it. I'm going to get everybody on board by the end. You ever read the story of when the, when the innkeeper said, there's no room in the inn, and you said, boy, did that person ever miss it. They were, I mean, Jesus the Messiah was about to be born. That, you know, saying there's no room is like an engine saying there has no room for fuel. Like a tree saying it has no room for sap. Like an ocean saying there has no room for the tide. No room for Jesus? No room for Jesus? That's like a garden saying it has no room for the flowers. That's like a, whore, a house saying that it has no room for furniture. That's like a tractor saying it has no room for plows. It's built in, friends. He is, you have to be in and understand, He is where there is life. He is where there is majestic authority. He is sovereign and there has to be room. Somebody make room for Jesus as He comes in this day and age. He's coming to you saying, is there room for me? Is there room
1: for Jesus in your home?
0: Some of us have crowded schedules. Is there room for Jesus? Some of us have crowded lifestyles. Is there room for Jesus? See, this Christmas season, make it a perfect Christmas by making Jesus the center of your life. If you don't have enough gifts, guess what? It's still Christmas. He's still on the throne, and he still reigns forever and ever something's going wrong in your life guess what he still reigns he's still majesty there is room he is savior and lord lord my heart is filled no 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 no. go away we can't do that
1: we have to say either lord come
0: or lord go which one are we gonna hold on to today We make room for everything every day, don't we? We make room for what's important and what's not important. If you're a person that is very, uh, how do I say? You're uh, constantly waiting to the last minute for everything. What happens is you're making room for the wrong things. And either you procrastinate on purpose because you tell yourself your best work is done under pressure. Some people just, they, they, they really put that on themselves. They just accept that I do everything well under pressure, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be late to everything because I work best under pressure. But you know what happens there? You don't make room for what's important. Where do we find our offering in time to give to the king? You know, the... The lamps, the, the 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 virgins who needed oil for their lampstands waited to the last minute to try to fill and they try to find oil for their lampstands because the groom was coming. You remember that story about the ten virgins? They waited, they waited, they waited, they waited. Friends, can I tell you? He came once, but he's coming back again. He's came he came once and he's coming back again. As we look at the majesty that is Jesus, as we look at the birth of Jesus, and we look at the worship of Jesus, Christianity has begged us to hold on to the, the values and the things that really matter. And it says, stop making it about you and start realizing it's always been about Him.
1: So, where do we find?
0: Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, those things are replaceable. Those gifts that they brought Jesus were replaceable. You know what was really amazing? That they carved out so much time to find Jesus. The offering was just the fact that you don't come to a king empty-handed. The gold, the frankincense, and myrrh, that's not the highlight of the visit.
1: That's a side note. It's the fact that they
0: hunted, that they followed the star and they followed what, what, where, what, where the master was about to be born, where the Savior, Christ the Lord, was going to be born. And when they came to him, They came to him with something in their hands. So I asked the question as I was preparing this. I said, how can I give these people something to walk with? So here we go. How do I make room for Jesus then? If we're talking about number one, make room for Jesus, how do I make room for Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, you you set some quiet time in your heart. You with me? Quiet time in your heart. Here's what it said in... uh, We're looking at Psalm 46, verse 10. Now, I didn't put the verses on this. I put the reference points on the screen. If you want to take a snapshot of that here or later or whatnot. But but Psalm 46, verse 10 says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Quiet your heart. Don't make it about you. He's the one that's our focus. Quiet yourself. Quiet your, your agenda. Quiet your will for a moment. Just be quiet. Some of us have a hard time being quiet. Quiet bothers you. You want to know how much it bothers you? See? We have a hard time. Say something, please. Say something, please. Right?
1: Hurry, hurry, hurry.
0: Something, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? But that's the problem. When we forget that as believers, we are called to quiet ourselves. Quiet your heart. You want to make room for Jesus? quiet your heart and ask him to come in. Number two, come clean and repent. Amen? Some of you are not going to amen me. That's okay. Psalm 51, verses 9 and 10. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalm 51. Come clean and repent. Make room, make room, make room in your heart for him. Third thing, ask him to enter broken spaces in your life. We're living in a world right now that everything's about safe spaces. I want I want to be safe in everything. Guess what? In in Christ, you're not always going to have uh, um all the safety precautions taken on Stuff is going to go bad around you. But guess what? You can have that place in him, that place of peace, that broken space where you're like, God, I need you to step in. And Ephesians tells us something neat. Ephesians tells us this, um, verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? Because the scripture brings life to us. Ask him to enter broken spaces that you've never let anybody in before. Follow me. Everybody eyeball right here. Look at me. Look at me. Focus right here for a second. I need you to see what I'm about to tell you. I need you to understand that broken spaces gives opportunity for God
1: to give breakthrough moments.
0: Broken spaces become breakthrough moments because you give yourself as a surrender. Ask him, enter. When you pray, say, God, enter my broken spaces because I need you desperately. Listen, I don't, it does not matter how long you've been a believer. You're going to have broken spaces In your life. And when you get, not if, when you get these broken spaces, you're going to have a choice whether you're going to lean on the world or lean on your own understanding or lean on God. Those are your choices. You're going to put it on somebody else, you're going to put it on yourself, or you're going to lean on God. That's your choice. And today I'm telling you, ask him. Invite him, in fact into your broken spaces. Invite him into the areas of your life that struggle. Push through the activities and enter the atmosphere of worship. Push through the activities of just going through the motions. Crack open your Bible. Read a psalm. Read a whole chapter of a psalm before you go to work in the morning. Do something to breathe life into you that is not just an activity, but it's creating an atmosphere. You with me? as believers, we're called to create atmospheres. Not to bring confusion. Not to act like you're doing things right. To create atmosphere. Because when I walk into the room, I want to change the spiritual climate of that room. Are you with me? And it's not because I have the title pastor or I'm ordained or somebody thought deemed me worthy. Listen, the only person that can deem you worthy of anything is Jesus Christ. That's it. Yes? Y'all better clap or something. Come on, it's Jesus Christ, right? Okay, all right. Good, good. I'm just giving you license because some of you are like, should I? No, I shouldn't. Yeah, no. Okay, hold on. Go ahead, pastor. I'm telling you that when you ask him to enter your life, you're asking him to take refuge, right? That you're asking him that you want to take refuge in him and that he is your strength. You're asking him in. Ask him into your space. And last but not least, renew our hearts. Psalm 23, verse 2 and 3 reads like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's first 1. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Not my name's sake. His name's sake. Why? Because, again, it's not about us. Worship is not about us. And if you make it about you, you're now the worship. You're now the
1: worshipped.
0: You go from worshipper to the one worshipped. Make room for Jesus. Making room for Jesus allows us to give ourselves in a whole new way. So the four things, again, real quick, it's up on the screen. Quiet your heart. Come clean and repent. Ask him to enter your broken spaces and renew your heart. Second thought, and I'm going to end with this. Worship in the season you're in. Real simple thought, not always simple to execute, but let's be honest with ourselves. Christianity has its ups and downs, parts that are easy, parts that are difficult. The parts that are difficult is when things are going really bad and life seems to have punched you in the face and you're trying to understand why. Here's my encouragement to you, and I don't know how it looks for you. Hear me when I tell you this. Worship in the season you're in, I, I don't know I don't know all the answers. I never claim to know all the answers, but worship in the season you're in. Because guess what? That my friend is going to get somebody released from their break their uh, breakout moment and get them the release that they need too. Because they, they know what you've been through and they're going to look at you and they're going to go, how come that person has been through so much and they still worship? Where do they get? Where do they get the strength? Debbie, you're an inspiration. And Debbie will be the first to tell you, I'm not perfect. By I'm, I mean her, not perfect. She will tell you, I'm not perfect, but I'm worshiping in the season I'm in. Corey, Nisa, worship in the season you're in. The difficulties,
1: we've been praying with you. We've been been asking God with you. Worship in the season
0: you're in. Whatever it is that you go through, my sister Leanne, the stuff that you've been through over the last year, worship in the season you're in. The enemy trying to take your voice. The enemy's trying to take your life because you already dedicated that a long time ago to God. Worship in the season you're in. He can't steal what he can't touch. And he cannot touch your worship. He could touch your stuff. He could touch things around you, but he can't touch you. He can't touch your worship. And that's the one thing that you have that the world can't give it, and the world can't take it away. What's the worth of Christmas if Christ is
1: not the center? He is the center. The night when Jesus was born, miracles broke out. It happened all across the land.
0: God spoke to shepherd and wise men. Shepherd and wise men. He reached out to them. Yes, in different ways, but he communicated with them. Both were in the scope of God's sight. Both were different ends of the spectrum. Shepherd will consider lowly men,
1: lowly men, wise men from the east. They were considered wise men. That's why they were wise men. They came from the east because they
0: came from the east. The amount of Bible knowledge that is flowing right now is amazing. But here's the thought. Are you with me? The thought is God didn't see titles. He didn't see titles. He didn't see what man sees.
1: You know what he saw? Open hearts. I want to see the Messiah. I want to know the Messiah. Friends, worship can never be the last and lost art for believers. We
0: have to keep worshiping in the season that we're in. And we can never come empty handed. Amen. See, you can choose to be obedient, but you can't choose the trials that come your way.
1: You can't choose the, the
0: face of the trial, but you can choose to put your face at his feet. The favor of God that comes your way is only released by him and him alone. The day of Jesus' birth, the heavens opened up and the angels spoke to the shepherds on that Judean hillside about a promised Messiah. And today I'm proclaiming to you that that Messiah was Christ the Lord. He has come and he is coming. Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a powerful moment in history. And Luke chapter 2 is... Those decrees went out from Caesar Augustus, and all the people came, and they were gathering and registering for the census. They didn't realize that all of it was senseless
1: because Christ had come.
0: Friends, there's a lot of people that are struggling this morning. Many of you are here, some of you, I've gone through some things,
1: and I know I've
0: I've walked with some of you and talked with some of you and prayed with some of you, but some of you are sitting silent in your struggle, because you feel like you might bother somebody. Can I tell you something? Bother somebody. Open your mouth and pray. Ask for a brother and a sister for prayer. Because it's really not a bother. You think it is. It's not. This is what the fellowship is supposed to be. The world is supposed to see us and go, they are amazing. And I could tell by their love for one another. Right? The Bible never said that they were amazed by the building they arrived and they got to gather in. They were amazed by the beautiful lights, and we got some beautiful lights this morning, but that's not going to get anybody to believe that we are any different than anybody else. Rockefeller Center has plenty of lights, and do you think they're in the middle of God's will? The city is in chaos. Our countries are all over the place, so it's not about the looks or the lights. The Bible tells us they, are, they will be known
1: by their love for one another. Don't suffer in silence. Let us pray with you
0: and fight with you and argue together with God. Lord, I don't understand why, because you whether you admit it or not, you said to God this. I don't know why, God, you did this to me, but I'm going to hang in there. And you know what? Sometimes that brutal honesty is okay with God. Some of you are like, you can't talk to God like that. As long as you do it with a pure heart, trying to understand God, he's already seen it. You think you're going to say something that somebody's never said before? It's all been said, all been done, but I trust me when I tell you, if you worship in the season you're in, and you say, God, I don't get it, I don't trust it, I don't understand it, but I trust you. Something different happens in your spirit, man. God doesn't always choose the obvious people for positions. And I'm going to close with these thoughts. Psalm 104 verse 1 in the the CSB says, My soul, bless the Lord. Lord my God, you are very great in your cloak with majesty and splendor. Isaiah 24 14 says this they raised their voices they sang out and they proclaim in the west the majesty of our Lord many are quicker to raise their voices for sports teams than they are in defending their faith and or praising God this ends today as believers make a decision to say you are majestic God and I will raise my voice to declare your goodness and your grace in my life stand to your feet Right now, if you're able to, and begin to praise God and say, "Lord, I'm going to praise you in the season that I'm in." Come on, just begin to tell God. Some of you need to praise your way into a breakthrough. Some of you are like, "I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm doing." Just lift up your voices, clap, shout, begin to say, "Thank you, Jesus." Come on, I don't do this all, but I'm telling you right now, some of you need to praise your way through. Lord, thank you that you have been good even when I haven't seen it. Thank you, God. You've been so, so good. Your mercy endures forever. My soul bless the Lord, the Lord my God. You are very great and clothed with majesty and splendor. And we will raise our voices and sing out loud. We proclaim in the east to the west the majesty of our lord somebody give him praise in the house one more time thank you god thank you god you are worthy of worship you are worthy of worship and as we as we imagine the crown of jesus for just a moment his majesty We think about his goodness. Come on, close your eyes all around this room. Just close your eyes for a moment. Media team, just throw up that crown just for a moment. Just throw up that crown, that last slide, right there. Yeah, Father, this crown symbolizes
1: it's not on my head because I put my crown at your feet already.
0: I surrender all that I am to you. Majesty and power belong to you. You are good. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. You are good. You are good. We will worship you forever. You are holy. So holy. And we lift our voices forever. Forever you are good you are good and your mercy endures forever Lord forgive us for being so shallow that we wait for the right season to worship instead let me worship in the season I'm in Father I speak to those things that are not as though they are and I speak to all the ailments in my life all the financial struggles in my life, all the marital fights and issues, all the work-related issues, and I leave them all at your feet. Because my crown is worth nothing if you're not around. You are the one that gives us authority to authority to be called sons. And daughters of God. Without you, we have nothing, we are nothing. But in you, we live and move and have our being. So today, we declare you are good and your mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. From everlasting to everlasting. We love you today. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Could you give him praise one more time? I just appreciate it. As I was preparing this message, what really, really struck me is that second point to worship in the season I'm in. Can I just encourage you, worship in the season you're in. It doesn't always look the same. It doesn't always look the same. You may not feel like you have all the energy and all the charisma and all the, can I tell you something? When when it's real, that's all that matters. God sees that. We love you. We pray blessing upon you and your family in this Christmas season.